Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And if I sound a little bit groggy, then that's because I am. Uh, and I haven't decided whether I'm going to tell you about that or not. Um, but take it from me, I am feeling a little bit groggy this morning. And it's been something that's been going on for a few days. But I might not share. In this particular instance, I might not share. Who knows? Uh, but let's crack on with a bit of that twangy guitar. <laughs> Let's start with a little bit of an update, Um, because last week was, well, a big part of last week, including the episode title, was all about uh, a jigsaw puzzle, Uh, was all about the whiteness I'd been left with. And um, we have have powered through, we have powered through. In in terms of uh, my statement that we were going to finish this jigsaw, uh, which looked like it was going to sort of disrupt the inner harmony of the household, Actually, I've uh, I've stayed true, and uh, I managed to get the outside of the jigsaw done uh, relatively easily. Um, that was that was easier than what we've been left with. Uh, I've ended up changing a couple of bits of it this week that looked like they were right with pieces that looked very very similar. Where actually, I've found out from now trying to get inner pieces in that the the edge pieces were wrong, but largely largely it seems to be going okay. So there was a lot of progress made in relatively short order, getting getting effectively the frame done. Uh, and then what we've been left with is about 100, and, and, and I was wrong on piece numbers, um, so there was probably more like 220, 230 pieces left. Um, we've been left with with 150 pieces plus of just, of just you know, four-sided um, uh, white pieces to put in that all look pretty much identical. Um, I mean, they don't. I mean, when you look at them, they don't look identical at all. But when you glance at them and go, oh, then that's because they all look close enough to be in the same. Anyway, the rhythm we've now found ourselves in is is 10 easy pieces. So, and, and by the way, none of them are easy. But the the it's maybe over a couple of sit-downs, as you as you walk past, as you do with jigsaws, where you walk past and you, you go, oh, I'll have a quick two minutes here, and then you get you get sucked in. Um, Ten pieces a day appears to be where we're at at the moment. So I'm I'm thinking now that we've perhaps got just under a fortnight. Now at some point it's going to start to get easier because as you because at the, the moment what I'm basically doing is matching a piece to a space and just going round holding a piece for about 5 minutes trying it in about 15 different locations putting it back down again. That's going to get easier as pieces go. But I wanted to update you. Uh, and I know this is far more detail that you want. And there probably isn't another podcast on the planet that gives you a uh, a, a, a such a definitive jigsaw uh, update unless it's a jigsaw specific podcast and I'm sure there are those out there uh, and if you know of one please please let me know um, not that I'm planning on listening but I would be interested to see if there is such a thing in the same way I'm interested to know if somebody does a train spotting podcast which I'm sure they do um, but does somebody in real time talk you through their train spotting day I'm not quite sure uh, in the way that I'm kind of not in real time but I'm kind of talking you through my my jigsaw journey um, oh I like jigsaw journey Old Jigsaw Journey would make a good name for a podcast. Ooh, ooh, I'm actually wondering if there's legs with this. Anyway, 
let's leave it alone because this is probably a little bit of the other problem with me at the moment which is absolutely sleep deprivation so I'm getting excited about things I shouldn't get excited about Tuesday the question is is it a reflection of the cost of living crisis or is it just discourtesy on a epic scale um Last time I was down in London, and again this week being down in London, I've noticed a trend. Um, uh, and to be fair, I've noticed it in two different stores now. The first was a, a, a big prep, the second was a Cafe Nero. And this trend I've noticed uh, was, and one was around lunchtime and one was around breakfast time. Groups of people, young people, I have to say, so I'm, I'm going I'm to probably go... Um, Gen Zs. Um, yeah, Gen Zs. I'm going to go Gen Zs rather than Millennials. Um, but this this thing appears to be, you go into a Pret-a-Manger, you get a table, there's four or five of you, you break out whatever you've brought to eat for your um, breakfast or your lunch, including a drink, including a drink, and you sit there quite brazenly, and you take table space and you finish what is in your assorted snack pots and, and Tupperwares and this, that and the other. I'm sure they're not called Tupperwares anymore. I'm, I'm sure we've moved on from that. But whatever these storage containers are, uh, whether they're little divided ones or the little pots or whatever they are, you, you get them out and you eat, your, you eat your breakfast, you eat your lunch, whatever it might be. One of you then might buy a drink. One of you might buy a drink. And you are in there for... 45 minutes to an hour. Now, is that a reflection of where we are in terms of cost of living? Because it absolutely could be. In which case, are the likes of Pratt and Nero turning a blind eye to it? Because their understanding of the situation. But then, and I know you can't do this. I know you can't do this. But then when you look at the people that we're talking about, and I'm looking at, tech and I'm looking at clothes and I'm looking at this that and the other I'm I'm kind of arriving at this is a life choice rather than a um, necessarily purely a cost of living thing um, then is it is it discourteous massively discourteous um, on the subject of that by the way the numbers don't work anymore in, in places like Pratt and Nero. Twos and fours and sixes don't work anymore in terms of tables. We need to work out how to do ones and threes and fives. Because I was I, I, I noted in Nero a whole, not Nero, uh, Pratt actually, a whole back line of tables that were in twos and fours that had what each had one person on. So you'd got people wandering around trying to find somewhere to sit and you'd got, and, and of course nobody in London will sit down with somebody else. Um, and, but you'd actually got all the seating was 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 set up for uh, evens. We never set up for odds. Um, I'm just thinking this is the most riveting TFM, isn't it? I've done jigsaw pieces and I'm now doing seating uh, layouts in coffee shops, uh, which, yeah, I, it's probably, well, it's a reflection of me. Do you know what? If you end up only getting this far this week, then thanks for your intent. Apologies for where my head's at, and 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 maybe maybe if you do decide to skip because I can't actually it will get better. But if it but if you're not sure if it will get better or not, then 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 thanks for playing, um, and and I'll see you next time. Um, 
But while you're going away, think about whether this is because it offended me. It actually offended me that this on behalf of the on behalf of, you know, Pratt and Nero, I I found it discourteous. You know, this is the equivalent of one finger up on the steering wheel, if I'm being honest. Wednesday. I watched the whole speaker uh, debacle um, pretty much live. Uh, I didn't intend to, uh, and I wasn't particularly watching the um, the debate about the ceasefire debate, though I knew it was going on in my head. I knew it was on in the background. But I just happened to switch onto the BBC and I saw some updates which suggested that there was uproar going on. And I switched on and I ended up watching it um, for about an hour or so. And it was a rather unique situation, uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. It's one of those things that do come about because of the structure of, of, of UK Parliament. And I don't know if... I think I've got my head around it. I don't know if I can really, really explain it. Um, but the reason why I'm saying this before I go any further is that the best explanation I read, which I read the next day, was by Ian Dunt. Now, Ian Dunt is a columnist for The Eye, and he uh, used to be on the Romaniacs podcast, uh, which became the Ogobo Now podcast, and he is a um, a swearer of epic proportions. He swears beautifully. He swears beautifully in the way that Malcolm Tucker swears beautifully on the thick of it, uh, which I'm I'm a great advocate of. And although my language is um, very well considered on TFM, uh, as a rule, my language can be a little bit coarse, and uh, and and I've got I've got no I've got no problem with it. Um, and Ian Dunt is a fine swearer, a very very fine swearer indeed, in the way that Olivia Coleman is a fine swearer, uh, and Judy Dench, to be fair, is another fine swearer. Um, and uh, but Ian wrote the best explainer of what happened in Parliament yesterday. And I'm talking about the whole situation with the Speaker, with Lindsay Hoyle, with the fact of the, that he picked uh, a couple of amendments to a motion which was unusual because the, the normal um, the normal protocol is just to, to, to pick the government amendment and to pick the main um, the main motion, the main proposal, which was or proposition, which was from the SNP. He picked a Labour one to allow the widest possible debate, which is what he said, and also because he was conscious about MP security, that's the that's the argument he put forward. Whether that is the correct argument or not, I don't think we'll know. But the one thing we can definitely say is that because of the outcome, it ended up being a better day for Labour than it did for everybody else. Um, so there's going to be talk of underhand dealings and dark arts. But if you want to read a definitive bit, I'll put a link on, then it's Ian Dunn's piece, which is, I think, remarkably balanced uh, about the whole thing, and I'm going to come on to my thoughts about it in a second. Thursday. As far as I can tell, Lindsay Hoyle did nothing that he did not have the power to do yesterday. As far as I can tell, in picking the amendments that he picked for the Opposition Day debate, he was perfectly within his rights to do so. He broke convention but he was perfectly within his rights to do so because the Speaker largely makes the rules. Now, what the issue is, and we are going to come down to convention, um, but the, uh, that, uh, there are points in time when the Speaker uses his judgment 
um, to to get the outcome for the house that he feels is best for the house as a whole, because his only responsibility is to the House of Commons as a concept, as a thing, as a group of people. And he is completely in that situation. He's non-partisan. Now, I think Lindsay Hall is a good and decent man. I'm not saying that I think he's a great speaker, but I do think he's a good and decent man. I think he has been beyond fair, beyond neutral. If anything, I think he's left the, let the Tories off the hook. He's certainly left them, let them off the hook in terms of when they've decided not to follow protocol and not to come to the House and not to announce things in the House and not to brief the House first when it's been in their interests to politicise things and to announce them live when it suited them. And a lot of government policy is announced on the hoof and it's announced directly to the public and it goes over the House. I think Lindsay Hoyle hasn't done enough to stamp that out or to hold those ministers to account. Yes, he's got annoyed with certain ministers, but I don't think he's done it. I don't think the Tories are afraid of Lindsay Hoyle. I think they happily will continue to do what they do and hold his position in, in to a certain extent, in contempt. Um... Nobody came out of yesterday looking good. I think Labour came out of it better than anybody else. But I don't think anybody came out of it looking good because I don't think anybody went into it looking good. Whatever the cries of protest are from the SNP, their their initial proposition, their initial um, the, the, the initial um, motion that they put forward was designed, had traps in it, was designed to um, to show division within the Labour Party. Now, that's fine, that's politics, but that's what it was there to do. Um, and, and, and yes, uh, the, the root of this is a, is a very serious situation, but the SNP were playing politics with it before they started. The Tories played politics with it because at the point when they decided to recuse themselves from the debate, there was no reason to do that. If their, if their amendment was solid and they had the numbers, that would have gone through and they would have set effectively um, government policy had the whole thing been voted through. Um, so they were playing politics with it. And clearly, Labour did not want its divisions, its dirty laundry, you know, to be, to, to be aired in public. So... I can absolutely believe that conversations were had to allow the Labour uh, amendment to be tabled and to be discussed as well. Now, the interesting thing about it, if you play it all through, is in reality, nothing probably would have got through. The, the Tory amendment, by the sounds of things, didn't have the numbers because it wasn't strong enough uh, and probably wouldn't have, have, have carried, even though they have a majority. And I think that's why they walked out. I can't see of any other reason why they wouldn't if their amendment would have passed. Um, Labour's amendment probably wouldn't have got picked, nor merrily. So that would have forced Labour MPs into making a decision about voting for or against the SNP motion. Um, the SNP motion probably would not have had the numbers to get through, even if a certain amount of Tory MPs had defected and voted for that as well. So we'd have ended up, at the end of the day, with the House of Commons not being able to agree on a standpoint around a ceasefire um, in Gaza, at which point that would have embarrassed all of them. Now, look, it's embarrassed all of them anyway, but if you play it through, they still would have got there. So now what we've got is a big fight about everything other than what we should be talking about, which is why can't the, all the parties in, 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 
you know, Westminster have sorted themselves out and made sure that the proposition that was put forward by the SNP on their opposition, opposition day debate was actually something that would have garnered the support of the entire House. So everybody, in my view, has dirty hands. Friday. Let's finish on high school musicals. Uh, I went to the uh, the high school uh, play performance uh, last night. Uh, I took Jack to the performance last night of Little uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which I'd never seen before, and was fantastic, absolute fantastic. But there is something beautifully, beautifully unique about a high school musical. Um, it was truly incredible in the pr- pr- production value for something that it, we're talking about. You know, kids. Um, from the age of 12 upwards, from the age of 11 upwards, actually, uh, uh, up to the age of 16 putting on, then absolutely amazing. And even and even the band um, didn't contain, as far as I was aware, any of the staff. I think it might have been one member of staff who played. Um, and the band were fantastic. Um, and the way it was done was great, and the band were off in a different room, and they had a live feed through from the from the stage, um, and you know just the score and everything. Because as we were told at the end, it was the full score, and you could hear it was everything about it was just brilliant. And what a fantastically unique thing that is. And the thing is, because Josh wasn't particularly interested in those kind of things, I've I've not been. So I kind of went in my with my governor hat on last night. I couldn't go last year. I went last night. Uh, but I took Jack along with me because obviously everything goes to plan. He'll be going to school there uh, next year. And Jack's far more likely to get involved in that side of things. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be playing for the school football team. Um, but he may well end up being involved in that kind of performance. So um, in that respect, it was great to take him along and for him to, him to experience it and experience a story that he'd not you know, seen before as well. So it's just a shout out to high school musicals, that whole, that just that whole thing, that whole thing was absolutely fantastic. They were fantastic. It was, it was joyous, you know, to see everybody. Uh, I mean, even things like the animation, um, uh, as in the animation of the, of the, of the plant, the way it had all been put together. I don't know if it'd been hired in or whether it had been made at school my guess would be it's probably been made at school just just the set everything about it absolutely fantastic so i'm i'm giving high school musical my absolute thumbs up and it also takes me back because i i did that at school i you know we did joseph uh, as pretty much every school did at the time but we did joseph and i played joseph and i loved it i absolutely loved it um i you know that is absolutely me and if it had been you know i would have loved to have been seymour last night um uh, playing that part um so there's you know that that it is part of me i do do that i have done that i have got that little bit of you know performer thing going on so that would have been great but it was also then great to see that there's so many other people who've got that as well and are prepared to prepared to roll up the sleeves and do the do the work and do the hard yards and actually produce something like that which is great right am i going to come around to the thing i said at the beginning yes i am and it's only a little thing and you don't want to hear it but i'm going to tell you anyway um i'm struggling to sleep and i'm struggling to sleep because of my veruca so we're, we're well on the way to get my veruca sorted and and um you know i my friend who who does those kind of things for a living has been coming around and chopping at my foot 
on a, on a weekly basis and it's definitely got a lot smaller and it's and it's definitely on the way down and we are certainly in the final not the final throws but we it's going to it's going to get itself resolved but about three, anything between 3 and 4 in the morning it wakes me up uh, because for whatever reason when i'm lying down it it throbs yeah i can feel it i can feel the blood vessels in my varuka and it keeps me awake so i'm waking up um anything between 3.30 and 4.30 and I'm struggling to get back to sleep and after a week or so of this now it's starting to get a little bit wearing so I'm starting to have to do extended power naps and things just to not feel terrible so as, as it stands now I've tried to power nap I've struggled I'm a bit groggy I'm a bit tired I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself even though I've no reason to um, but that's the reason why I am I am where I am um and, and, and might affect this week's TFM. It's probably affected this week's content. For which case, I kind of apologise and I kind of don't. And I am a bit stubborn because I won't take painkillers. And what I probably need to start doing is waking up at three, popping a painkiller and going back to sleep for three hours. So maybe that's what I need to start. Then maybe that's the lesson of all this. Anyway, I hope you're well. Uh, and I will, uh, I hope you have a nice weekend. I'm off out for a run. I will see you next time. <laughs> therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production